It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it! Breaking away, Garrett Wilson! Wilson, a big play downfield! Allen, tripped up! He could not get past Jermaine Johnson! Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall! He's done it again! Brees Lightning! 62 yards for the touchdown! And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams! What a beast! Number 95 for the Jets! Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time to recap the Jets' second preseason game of the 2023 season with our friend who is the Thunder from down under, Mr. Luke Grant. The Jets, of course, in Carolina to play the Carolina Panthers after a couple of days of joint practices that wound up actually being one day of joint practice because the second day, The weather intervened and the Jets ended up practicing by themselves. But still, the idea behind it was joint practices into the preseason game, which is what we got tonight. Luke, what's up, brother? I'm doing well, Scott. It's always nice to get up for the preseason and just see the Jets play good complementary football. It's not about results. But when you, you play a team that's playing a lot of starters like the Panthers did, we looked really strong. We looked like we have more talent on the roster, and that's not something you can say about many Jets teams over the last decade. So I'm feeling good and looking forward to the season. Yeah, without a doubt, Luke. I always tell people with the preseason, you never worry about the results. They don't matter at all. You're just looking to see how certain players perform. We knew we weren't going to see Aaron Rodgers tonight, and a lot of the key pieces weren't going to play. But we did get to see quite a bit from some of the guys that should make an impact this season. And, of course, some roster battles continued during the game tonight as well. Let's start with Zach Wilson. We didn't see Aaron Rodgers. We did see Zach Wilson. Second preseason game in a row that he looked pretty good. Now, it's preseason, so let's not get carried away. But he looked a lot more confident, more decisive, seemed at ease, a lot more comfortable. These are positive signs for sure. Yeah, 100%. I mean, anytime you come in, you complete 70% of your passes, but even more than the stat line, which was, what, 120 yards, a touchdown, it was the comfortability that Zach had in the pocket, uh, his ability to make, as Robert Sala said last year, the easy look easy. Uh, the first half really felt like that for the Jets. He led three scoring drives. The screen passes were good. The swings out to the flat. He looked good coming out uh, of the bootleg when he threw the touchdown to Kenny Yaboa in the flat. All those little things just looked like they should for an NFL quarterback. And I know that bar sounds low, but that's something that Zach has really struggled with over the last two seasons to start his NFL career. So I just thought he was poised. He stood in the pocket and was patient in there. There was a throw that was actually an incompletion to Brownlee in the second quarter um, where Zach Wilson found his read, got off it, got to the second read, threw it, hung in the tough pocket. It should have been pass interference. It was broken up, but I liked the process. That's what the preseason is about. The results don't always tell this full story. I don't care if Zach Wilson was, you know, 10 for 20 today. I liked his poise in the pocket, his decision-making, and his overall accuracy was pretty good as well. So when you combine those traits, that's what he's been missing. I'm not sure if it's Nathaniel Hackett, the presence of Aaron Rodgers, but something seems to be clicking in Zach. 
And I, I saw a couple of people saying it on Twitter. It isn't about the spectacular. We know Zach's had that in the Tennessee game, his rookie season against Tom Brady that year again against Tampa. He has those games and those throws in him. It's about the baseline being high. And I think we got a good look of that from Zach Wilson today in Carolina. Zach Wilson certainly helped by the tight ends who had a really good day, particularly Jeremy Ruckert. Last year, we saw very little from Jeremy Ruckert. It was, for all intents and purposes last year, a redshirt season for Jeremy Ruckert. Doesn't look like it's going to be that way this season. He's done well so far in training camp, and this was a big game for him and the tight end unit as a whole. Yeah, I really think it was, Scott. He started for the Jets coming out with Conklin and Uzama. They all featured on the first drive. Conklin had a catch, Uzama had one. Then you saw Ruckett in there blocking. Unfortunately, he's picked up this little AC injury. Uh, we're going to see kind of how that unfolds. Robert Sulla kind of jokingly said he's optimistic, but he always is. But I think there's an opportunity for, for Ruckett to be the tight end two coming into this season. Look, Uzama still paid a little bit of money and owed some money by the Jets, but they are in win-now mode. So if Ruckett earns those snaps, he's going to get them. And then you have to be impressed by the bottom half of the depth chart, Scott. Jenkins, um, the uh, undrafted rookie free agent, he had a touchdown catch from Tim Boyle in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, you had, I already mentioned, Kenny Yeboah getting a touchdown from Zach Wilson. And then Zach Koontz, I talked about him on a YouTube, um, across on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel last week with his blocking. He had a couple of big-time receptions today, one with some uh, yards after catch over the middle of the field. He tried to hurdle a man standing up. You saw the athleticism. He had the touchdown catch, some great blocking out in front of screen passes. I've been impressed by the attention to detail for Zach Koontz because he was profiled as his athletic freak. We pr- took him in the seventh round. He was a roll of the dice based on his pass catching, but it's the blocking and how they've utilized him, which has really impressed me. So I think across the whole, a great day for the Jets tight end room from Conklin all the way down. The room has continued to improve. It's got more depth. And I'm really not sure who's not going to make this 53 because someone's going to be stiff to miss out. So good day for Ruckett early on. Good day for the rest of the group. And let's just hope that Jeremy's healthy and we can move on with the rest of the preseason. Luke, speaking of tough roster battles on the offensive side of the ball, how about wide receiver? We've heard a lot about Jason Brownlee. And we saw the big throw last week from Zach Wilson to Malik Taylor for a 57-yard completion. And then we see Xavier Gibson tonight, who adds another element. In addition to being a wide receiver, he's a pretty dynamic kick returner. So these guys are all locked in a battle for that spot, and they're all doing pretty well. This is a nice problem to have if you're a football team. The Jets aren't accustomed to this the last few years, but now finally they have such a talented roster that guys like this have to scratch and claw and battle for that spot where in years past it might not have been the case. So it's good to see these guys continue to perform, and it's good to see that the Jets are deep enough that these battles really matter. Yeah, the wide receiver six spot, assuming that Randall Cobb is healthy throughout the season and makes the roster, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be a competitive battle. You mentioned what Gibson can do uh, in the return game, and he had looked dynamic on a couple of returns tonight and, and has through training camp as well. I don't know if McCole Hardman, when the the real bullets start to fly in the regular season, if he's going to be the punt returner. I'm not sure how the Jets plan to utilize him on offense, how big his role will be. So that's going to play into this as well. Uh, Malik Taylor obviously had a couple of receptions today. Nothing. I don't think anyone really edged in front today. I think probably Gibson had the best day of the three. I think Brownlee was only targeted maybe twice on the day. I'm not sure if he had a reception in the end. Um, but look, I think the fact that the Jets have genuine depth and they're having to make decisions on roster cuts 
is a huge step forward because it has been so easy to predict the Jets roster because there's been so barren and direct of talent. They just don't have the skill position players and they haven't for the last decade, Scott. I'm sure all the listeners kind of have a pretty good grasp of that. So the fact that we're having these decisions about wide receiver six, about the tight end group we just mentioned, we've traded away Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore and we still have this much talent on the offensive side of the ball, it's definitely a good problem to have and it's something we haven't had for a long time. So, look, I think all of them have their benefits. It might come down to special teams, but I think, as I said, a lot of it ties into McCole Hardman and how they plan on utilizing him because just quietly, special teams has been a huge strength for the Jets this preseason and I'm pretty sure it's going to continue throughout the year. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Running back depth, a big strength for the Jets this preseason as well. Israel Abanacanda had a touchdown last week and another one in this game. A killer spin move helped him break free for a long touchdown. Michael Carter had a really good game. And Bam Knight has been the best running back the Jets have had during training camp. Now put all that aside and remember that none of these guys is actually the top running back on the roster. So you look at this and you have to come away from it bullish on the Jets' running back room, particularly after what Carter and Abanacanda did tonight. And then you wonder if maybe there's a reason why the Jets have been hesitant to meet Dalvin Cook's price. Seems like they may not need him. I think this might have been the biggest takeaway from the game, Scott, even bigger than the defensive line. The Dalvin Cook's been an interesting discussion amongst Jets fans the last couple of weeks. His film has been rapidly declining, and I keep saying he's an okay depth piece to back up Brees Hall early in the year, to be that kind of workhorse if they don't trust the health of Brees, but he's not a compliment to what he does. That's what Michael Carter, Izzy Abanakunda, and even Bam Knight are. And I I don't understand, Scott, why Jets fans have been so bullish on Michael Carter's career being over here. He was incredibly effective his rookie season, and then he had a low ankle sprain early last year and just couldn't get it together behind a bad O-line once AVT went out. But we put so much stock into what we've last seen. He came out, and Michael Carter's performance in the first quarter was a huge takeaway. He looked dynamic with his lateral quickness. Michael Carter throughout his career at UNC and in his rookie season here with the Jets has been about wiggle, that acceleration and quickness in a phone booth and ability to make the first guy miss at the line of scrimmage. You saw that on all of his carries today. He had the 30-yard reception down the sideline. I think he had a nice pass protection block. I'll have to check it out on the All-22, but everything he did was strong. Bam Knight didn't get great blocking in that middle section, but I thought he still ran really hard between the tackles. He's more of that thumper, one-cut guy. And then Izzy just continues to impress. I'm relatively sure that I saw that PFF said that 56 out of Izzy Abanakunda's 58 rushing yards came after contact. That is a ridiculous statistic. You mentioned the big run where he ripped it off and just got brought down for a callback touchdown. The spin move, the acceleration, his ability to make people miss. Izzy is an absolute freak. I don't think the Jets need to bring in a running back. If Brees is even going to be relatively healthy, they've got the horses to make this work. Focus your resources on something else that can make this roster genuinely better because these young backs are extremely talented. The Jets have drafted them for a reason and obviously brought in Bam Knight as an undrafted free agent guy. And I think they all had a really strong showing today. Even uh, I think Dye is his name, that the running back in the last quarter showed some things as well. We're pretty deep there. So I think overall a really good group and show that Dalvin Cook isn't really needed here with the Jets. Luke, if anybody is going to have an impact in the running game, it's going to be because the offensive line is able to open up some holes. No matter how good a running back is, they need some help from the offensive line. 
And there was plenty to take away from tonight's game. Let's start with Mekhi Becton. Last week, only seven snaps. Played well, but again, only seven snaps. Tonight, he got beat for a sack, but other than that, I thought he looked pretty good. A solid performance for Mekhi Becton, who continues to work his way back. I'm still not convinced he's going to wind up a starter week number one. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to trust him at that point. But he certainly gave Jets fans some reason for future optimism in this game. He really did. I mean, he played 28 snaps on offense, Scott, three on special teams, obviously a total of 31 snaps. He just looked like he was moving well. Even the sack he got beaten on, to me, that's a miscommunication between a tackle and a guard on picking up a stunt. He handed off over the the lead runner there and was about to pick up the twist. Didn't quite get out quickly enough. Cologne, the left guard, didn't help him out a lot either. To me, that's just a blown preseason type sack. I can live with that. It, It wasn't really bothering me. Outside of that, I thought he looked really good in the running game. He definitely moved the pile. Uh, Some of his work on the front side of outside zone looked really pretty as well. So Mackay looks healthy. And if Mackay can be healthy, Scott, I think we both agree he's probably the most talented uh, player on this this, uh, offensive line group for the Jets or definitely the offensive tackle position. Look, Robert Sulla, I don't think he's a huge fan of Mackay Becton. They haven't been since Matt LaFleur was the OC. But if he's healthy... And he shows it. He's going to get time this year. Whether Dwayne Brown starts or whether they start um, Billy Turner, they know that Mackay Backton's talented. And if he can continue to, to stack these days and these wins, Robert Sulla spoke glowingly of him in the, pros- the press conference after the game. Sorry. He talked about how it was a big, big performance. He didn't even care what the tape looked like on review. He just wanted to see Mackay tick that box. He exceeded their expectations for playing snaps. He wanted to go back out there and play more. And that's what you want to see. People were so critical of Mackay last week, and they have been in general. The turf was not good in the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Scott. He slipped with his left knee at one stage on an inside zone block and completely lost traction. And people are wondering why he pulled himself out of the game. He looked great today physically, and that's what you want to see if you're a Jets fan. Luke, you mentioned how Mackay Becton is arguably the most physically talented player on the Jets' offensive line. Certainly, you would think that it would be a battle between Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker in that regard. But another guy who is supremely talented athletically especially for a guy his size, is Joe Tippett, the center who was drafted in the second round out of Wisconsin. Connor McGovern had an interesting comment earlier this week where he said that when the Jets signed him, they told him they were planning to draft the center and that even if McGovern started the beginning of the season, they were hoping that he would understand that part of his role was to mentor a young center of the future. That may be where we're headed. Tipman has looked pretty good in these preseason games. In practice, they've been bringing him along slowly. He may not start week number one, but the more you see of him, the more you realize sooner or later he's probably going to crack that starting lineup, and it may very well come at some point in 2023 rather than him having a redshirt season and playing in 2024. Another positive step forward for Tipman tonight. It really was, Scott. And with the flexibility that Connor McGovern gives you to play the guard spot if AVT has to kick out, I think Tipman's definitely going to see reps pretty early for the Jets. Look, I, I haven't seen the numbers yet. I obviously haven't watched back the film. It was 6 o'clock in Australia when I was watching the game in the morning, but it felt like he didn't allow a pressure again after having 22 pass rush snaps last week without a pressure. Uh, pass protection snap, sorry. Um, and then there were two plays, Scott, in the second quarter on that Jets two-minute drive where they scored the touchdown uh, to Kenny Yaboa. 
where he is so fluent in space. This guy's six foot six, Joe Tipman is, and he moves incredibly well. He got out in front of a screen um, and did a great job blocking that up uh, for Izzy Abanakunda. And then on that big run we talked about with the spin move, his ability to get to the second level, climb and seal a linebacker is freakishly good. It's why the Jets drafted him. His skill set at Wisconsin was a zone run blocker, and we have seen that in spades already so far in the preseason. I've been extremely impressed with him. Ironically, the only negative thing for Joe Tipman over the first two weeks has been his snapping of the football. That's probably the most elemental thing that he's done the most over his career. I had a few concerns about hand placement, leverage, um, picking up stunts and twists, but it's been his snapping of the football and shotgun, which has been a little bit inconsistent and will definitely need to improve. I'm sure it will. But on the whole, you have to be so pleased with the play of Joe Tipman. Center is such an integral position for the offensive line. He is a smart dude. He was a, li- a leader in one of the best offensive line programs in the country at Wisconsin. And I think fans are going to be thrilled with Joe Tipman. He's going to be a 10-year starter here. And I thought he took great strides forward again yesterday, uh, today. Sorry. Luke, before we get into the defensive side of the ball, probably worth talking about the red zone play calling, right? Look, this was a huge issue for the Jets, Scott, over the last two years. Uh, Matt LaFleur lacked imagination. I think he lacked uh, motion in the red zone. And I think too often he used sprint outs compared to a naked boot or something like that. I made a video two months ago talking about Rodgers and Hackett in the red zone. And today we started to see why Nathaniel Hackett is really good in this area. There's this misconception online that Nathaniel Hackett doesn't use motion. He is the guy who installed the Green Bay Packers red zone offense. Lafleur's talked about it publicly. He was the guy who led that with Aaron Rodgers in 2020 and 2021. And they were dominant in that stretch. They were the number three red zone offense in the NFL. And you saw it today, three red zone touchdowns to three different tight ends and really nice concepts, some naked boots, some handoffs, the utilization of motion. You had a bit of a mesh concept on the Zach Kuntz touchdown where credit to Tim Boyle, he hung in the pocket and threw a really nice ball. You just saw guys get schemed wide open. And yes, there's second and third stringers in for the Panthers at different times, but you got to remember they played more starters than the Jets did. So... I just thought Nathaniel Hackett showcased why he's a good OC. And you know what? Sean Payton can throw his comments in the media about him as a head coach. Jets fans shouldn't be worried because he's not the head coach of this football team. It is a very different role. We know so many coordinators, Scott, that don't make good head coaches. Nathaniel Hackett was probably one of those guys, and there's probably merit to what he was saying, Sean Payton, but he's a hell of an OC, and you see it the most in the red zone. He had great success with guys like Blake Bortle, and you saw him bring out the best in Boyle and Wilson today, and that's pretty exciting because you throw Aaron Rodgers in the mix, and that's when Jets fans start to get a bit giddy, and you know, understandably so. Luke, Braden Man was a huge disappointment for the Jets. He was drafted in 2020 did not turn out to be the type of punter that they were hoping for at the NFL level. And so they went out and brought back Thomas Morstead, who had filled in when Braden Mann was hurt a couple of years ago, a multiple-time pro bowler, one of Mike Westhoff's favorite punters of all time. And it is fun watching him punt. Now, you hope he doesn't have to punt a lot during the regular season, but it is nice to know that when the Jets get into a field position battle, they've got Thomas Morstead as a weapon. Another impressive performance for him tonight. Yeah, not only did Braden Man 
punt poorly for the New York Jets over the two years he was here. He also cost us Trevor Lawrence. So one hell of a stint from Braden Mann. But you're right, Morstead's just a consummate professional. And the consistency he brings, Scott, is enormous. When you're right, those games where you're not scoring a lot of touchdowns and you need to grind out the field position battle, I think he's going to be a huge key for the Jets. There were so many times, I'm someone who's guilty if I'm watching the game on my phone, Scott, where I'll flick over um, while we're on special teams because I'll just want to tweet something out or something like that. And you'll see that Brandon, uh, Braden Mann's shanked a punt and they're on our 50 already. Thomas Morstead, you just don't get that out of. You don't get that stinker, that outlier poor play every two or three weeks or even more frequently than that sometimes for man. He had the great punt today where he trapped Carolina back to their own two-yard line, I think it was, maybe even the one. Um, We won the field position battle all day long. We did in week one of the preseason or the Hall of Fame game as well. So he's been immense. And it's going to be a weapon because, as I said, you're going to have games in cold weather in Buffalo, New England, New York, all of those type of places uh, even some of our games we play against the AFC West this year in places like Denver, where the weather's not going to be great. You're going to get wins. You need sometimes to grit out these time of performances, and special teams are a huge part of that. And I think Morstead's going to be a, a little secret weapon for Brant Boyer in this New York Jets franchise. Are Morstead and Zerline the best punter-kicker combination the Jets have had in years? It's starting to look that way. It certainly does. I mean, obviously, they had Myers here a couple of years ago who had a, a great tenure in Seattle as well, um, and he was great. But the Jets didn't have a, a consistent punter through that period. They had a number of guys filtering in and out uh, of the special teams unit. We have stability at the two positions. It's automatic when Greg's kicking right now. You have a kick that's between 45 and 55, and you just about think that unless there's a hurricane blowing through, he's going to make it. And that kind of... um Depend- dependability hasn't really been there, if that's even a word. You know, I think it's it's a real strength when you can rely on your special teams unit. And, and teams talk about complementary football when you don't have to worry about going for it on fourth down because you can kick the field goal and then pin them with your elite defense. That's a strength for a coaching staff, especially a defensive head coach like Robert Sala. So I would say that Zerline and Morstead are the best duo the Jets have had as far as specialists for the last 10 to 15 years, at least since the Nick Folk era. Speaking of stability, Luke, the Jets have not had stability at edge rusher in a really long time. You could go back to the John Abraham, Sean Ellis years. That's really the last time they would have had any type of stability there. It looks like they may be headed in that direction with Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson. Amazing what happens when you make actual investments in the position. Jermaine Johnson, of course, a late first-round pick last year. The Jets traded up for him. This year's first-round pick, Will McDonald. McDonald just looks so impressive out there. It's funny, Luke. I remember we were streaming live on draft night, and our first reaction to the McDonald pick was, that's strange. And I think part of it is because we weren't expecting McDonald. We were hoping for Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, who's done very well so far in training camp in the preseason. But we thought if it wasn't a wide receiver, it was probably going to be somebody on the offensive line. McDonald came out of nowhere. But within a few minutes, we started to warm up to the pick. And then when we really dug in on the tape, we liked it more and more. And, man, he has had really good moments in practice so far on almost a daily basis. The two preseason games, he's looked really good. Jermaine Johnson looks like a completely different person so far both in training camp and in these preseason games. And let's not forget about Bryce Huff. We've said it before, Luke. He's a one-trick pony, but he's really good at that one trick. 
that defensive line for the Jets tonight showed up in a big way, and they have the potential to be really good this year. And the best part of it is that not only do they have potential to be really good this year, but those guys are so young, they could make up the nucleus of a really strong pass rush for several years to come. You know what, Scott? I think the Jets have an opportunity to be one of the four best defensive lines in the NFL this year with the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. I think that highly of the depth and the talent, especially at the edge position in this unit. We upgraded it, obviously, defensive tackle with Jefferson, who had a big sack today as well. Al Woods, who we haven't seen yet, and obviously Quinnen, who's one of the best players in the whole of the NFL. Speaking specifically about those two young guys, Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald, they've just blown me away. McDonald today had 18 snaps, Scott. He had five pressures and a sack. He had two spin moves again where he just blows past the left tackle. Like I'm saying, he beats him in an instant. You then see him rip and dip around the edge and have that core strength and that power through his lower half to bend and turn around the edge. He's getting held and he still gets the sack. You love to see that. And with Jermaine Johnson, last year was very much about finesse. And this was a bit of a criticism I had of him coming out of FSU. He loved the Euro step, uh, cross chop, beat his man to the outside. He wins with hands and, you know, different types of technique around the edge. I'm starting to see this freakish speed to acceleration bull rush out of Jermaine Johnson. There were two reps today, almost back to back. Once where Johnson went straight through his chest um, and, and nearly caused the sack when Will McDonald actually got to the quarterback. And then the next drive, when Jermaine Johnson got his half sack, a big old spin move, and then speed to power through the chest of the tackle once you get him off balance, and he just landed him on his butt. It was a reverse pancake, an awesome rep from Johnson. And I love to see that, because if you mix up that kind of ferocious speed to power bull rush with the finesse he has on the outside and how agile he is with his hands, you've got the full package. His get-off has been so much quicker, Scott. That's something that I think McDonald will continue to get better at, anticipating the snap, um, reading the snap count of the center, all those kind of things, and he's going to just blow people away with his speed. But that duo was fantastic. As you said, Huff has a very defined role, but he did get some more first-down snaps today. I didn't think he had much of an impact, but as a pass rusher on third down, you saw it again. He was held a couple of times. He had the half sack, so you love that from him. Just all around, a really, really good performance from this line. As I said, I'm pretty sure it's the deepest. that They terrorized the Panthers' starters today, Scott. We're talking about Ikemekwanu, who we loved coming out of NC State. All of those guys they've got up front. Yes, it's not a great offensive line, but the Jets were running out there with their young backups, and you've still got to integrate Quinnen Williams, Carl Lawson, JFM, Woods, and like that's that's just absurd. So huge day for that young group, and you just absolutely love to see it. As Robert Sala says, we will go as they go, and I think that's going to be the mantra for the Jets this season. Luke, any other observations we haven't hit on yet that you think are worth talking about from this second preseason game between the Jets and the Carolina Panthers? I just thought some of the young kids on defense looked really fast. People were very fond of Zaire Barnes last week. And look, I'm going to be honest. I thought he was very, very poor. He accounted for two of the Jets touchdowns with a missed tackle and a blown coverage assignment. But today I thought he was much more in control. His game really does replicate Quincy Williams though. He's very much a flying around hair on fire, athletic side to sideline type guy. If he can refine it a bit more, I think he'll continue to improve. And he saw definite steps in the right direction today. Um, And you had... Uh, the young kid, uh, the safety uh, out of Florida, uh, Dean, I thought he was impressive again. 
just flying mm-hmm. around in the second level, making plays, continuing to look pretty dangerous. The young linebackers kind of shone again. So I think that was was really impressive. Um, and if they continue to make plays, again, we're going to show the depth of this roster because linebacker was a position I was worried about. Uh, Safety is a position I'm worried about. Just to see some of these kids come out and have success um, is definitely a great sign. And I think um, you just want to see the bottom half of your roster show that they are NFL caliber. And that's exactly what we saw today against the Panthers. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and recapping the Jets' second preseason game of 2023 with me against the Carolina Panthers. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything we've got going on over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet, and want to go to our store at tpublic.com, that's tepublic.com. What do we have on our YouTube channel, and what can they buy in our store? Yeah, the YouTube channel, Scott, has got a ton of All-22 content. If you want to look at the Browns game from last week, we've got five videos up looking at guys like Tippmann, McDonald, Becton, all the talking points. This week will be the same for the, the film from Carolina. Four to five videos, all 22, 10 minutes each, looking at these young players and the Jets and how they can impact us moving forward, some of the highlight plays, and talking through some of the mistakes they made. So make sure you check it out. I'm always in those kind of manageable content chunks so you can can take in and get out of there in 10 minutes so plenty of stuff over on the youtube channel make sure you check us out and subscribe over there and then with t public we've got lots of designs and i'm sure more in the pipeline as well play like a jet logo merch zach the ripper stuff zach wilson's making a comeback we know he's he's going to keep building behind aaron Rodgers. uh the bless you thank you range with quinn and williams and john franklin myers so as i always say it's not just buy this t-shirt you can do whatever you like with the merch you can use the logo on you know laptop stickers um, sweats, hats, anything you like. So go and check us out on TeePublic and like and subscribe over on the YouTube channel. Make sure you check out everything we've got at TeePublic.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikejet and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Also, make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.